brought to you by the Las Cruces Sun News. This is Straight Shooter. What is going on, everybody? This is Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jada Sports Dude. If you are listening right now, let me just say thank you for tuning in to Straight Shooter, the podcast where I shoot from the hip and give you everything that you need to know about the New Mexico State men's basketball team. This is episode 13 of our season-long journey, so if you're a returning listener, then welcome back. I missed you, and if you're new to the program, well, then welcome to the family. Where have you been all my life? Guys, we have a lot to talk about today, so sit back and relax because I got you i'm coming to you from a place that i like to call the saloon so bartender what do we have on tap for today on tap today is a recap of the seattle series week seven whack predictions and a preview of the utah valley series Alrighty, thank you bartender i have my lasso in hand and it's time for our post game roundup the segment where i round up my thoughts in the most recent new mexico state game and in this case the aggies split their road series against seattle this past friday and saturday losing game one by a score of 83 to 72 and then winning game two by a score of 65 to 58 new mexico state is now five and five on the season two and four in whack play and I have my takeaways from this past weekend's action. Let's get started with takeaway number one, which is that Kalen Williams is beginning to gain that trust from Jans and the coaching staff. That trust is something Jans has referenced a lot as of late, and he showed some for Williams this past weekend. The 6'2 sophomore averaged 15 minutes per contest, and he did a really good job of containing Darion Trammell, especially on Saturday. The Wax leading scorer dropped 22 points on 9 for 15 shooting in game one, but he was held to just 16 points on 4 for 16 shooting from the floor in game two. He wasn't nearly as efficient, and while Evan Gilliard II deserves a whole lot of that credit because he was the starter, Williams also matched that intensity off the bench. He denied the ball well he kept a hand in Tremble's face at all times and he managed to play clean physical defense committing just one foul all night. New Mexico State needs to find that consistency off the bench and Williams took a step in the right direction this past weekend so it has to be an encouraging sight for both him and the Aggies. Now we have takeaway number two which is that Clayton Henry is more than just a 3 and D player. The redshirt senior found his touch a bit from distance shooting 5 for 13 in the two games which is a respectable 38.5% but that wasn't his biggest contribution on the offensive side of the ball. He actually averaged 3.5 offensive rebounds and seven total boards per game which is just insane for a six foot four guard now rebounding is one of the biggest things that jans emphasizes on this team and that isn't exclusive to just the aggies big man henry is a key part of that effort as we saw this past weekend when you throw in the fact that he can also hit the three ball he's the team's his best defender in my opinion he's a veteran leader it really just paints the picture of how invaluable this guy is to new mexico state and his role is going to get even bigger moving forward because i confirmed with the team on saturday that jason king is set to undergo season ending shoulder surgery it's something that has been nagging him all season and there's an article on lcsunnews.com if you guys want to check that out and read more about it but king was one of the few backups new mexico state had at that three spot henry and jabari rice actually each played a team high 36 minutes on saturday because one of them pretty much had to be on the court at all times so i expect that to be the norm moving forward henry does so much for this team and new mexico state is going to need every last bit of that production as the rest of the season unfolds but now it's time for my big takeaway of the day and it's that new mexico state can't afford to get cocky the Aggies played their best basketball of the season in their 97-70 win over Cal Baptist two Saturdays ago. And while a lot of people, myself included, felt like that was going to be the turning point for this season, the team took a step back in Friday's loss to Seattle. The Aggies just didn't play with heart, and it showed as a below-average Red Hawks offense lit them up for 83 points. Now, New Mexico State did bounce back with a 65-58 win on Saturday. But what's crazy about that is that Jan said in his press conference on Monday 
that they didn't make any scheme changes from game one to game two. It was the same game plan, the same players, only 24 hours in between the contests, and yet it was an 18-point turnaround. That tells me that New Mexico State has the talent to win these games. All those pauses and cancellations in the past is out the window at this point. It comes down to effort if you're in New Mexico State. It comes down to going into these games with that hunger and wanting to climb the WAC standings and reclaim your throne. The Aggies have nobody to blame but themselves for Friday's loss, and we're glad to see them respond on Saturday. Being happy with a split isn't New Mexico State basketball at the end of the day. The team needs to bring that intensity for Game 1 and Game 2 because there are no second chances in the WAC tournament. You win or your season is over, so we'll see if the Aggies learn from this past weekend or not. Alrighty folks, that buzzer means it's time for segment number two, which are my week seven whack predictions. Last week I went two and two of my picks. I had New Mexico State sweeping Seattle and then Utah Valley sweeping Dixie State. But both of those matchups ended up being a split. So that puts me at 19 and six on the season, not too shabby. And now it's time to take a look at this week's matchups, of which there are four of them. We have a lot of basketball to be played. And we're going to get started with Tarleton State at Dixie State. It's the battle of the two WAC newcomers. The Texans are 6-8 and eight on the season, 1-5 in WAC play. And they had a bye week this past weekend because that's when they were scheduled to face Chicago State. Montre Gibson is still the go-to scorer, averaging 14.8 points per contest. But one guy who really is solidifying himself as that second option is Jonathan Jackson Jr. The 6'6 senior is averaging 14.5 points per game in his last four outings. And he's doing that while shooting 54.5% from the floor. And that efficiency is what's really impressive because before this four-game run, Jackson was shooting 40% from the floor. The guy thrives off of getting to the rim, embracing contact, and getting to the free throw line. And he's also a strong contributor on defense as well. So we'll see if this recent stretch is just a hot streak or if we can keep it going and take some of that weight off of Gibson's shoulders. Then there's Dixie State. The Trailblazers are 7-7 seven seven on the season, 3-7 and seven in whack play, and they split their series with Utah Valley this past weekend, losing Game 1 on Friday by a score of 83-72, and then winning Game 2 on Saturday to the tune of 93-89. Now those 93 points do mark a season high for Dixie State, and a bulk of those points, exactly a third of them actually, came from Hunter Schofield. The 6'8 senior recorded a career-high 31 points on 11-for-16 shooting to go along with 7 boards and 3 assists. He really went to work down low when he got to the free throw line at will, making 9 of his 10 shot attempts from the charity stripe. Now Schofield got out to a slow start to the season, recording double-digit points in just one of his first 6 outings as he bounced in and out of the starting lineup, but he was a preseason all-wax second team selection for a reason. The guy can hoop, and it's looking like this Dixie State team can also play in general because they have some impressive wins over Cal Baptist, Seattle, and now Utah Valley. Now, the deciding factor in this series is going to be Dixie State's ability to take care of the basketball. The Trailblazers committed turnover on 20.1% of their possessions, which ranks 223rd in the country. Meanwhile, Tarleton State forces a turnover on 22.2% of its opponent's possessions, which ranks 36th in the nation. This team loves to convert defense into offense, and Dixie State is going to be in for a long night if it plays into that. I think we're going to be in for some good basketball this weekend. Both teams want to prove that they're the better whack newcomer, and I think we're going to have a split at the end of the day. Now let's move on to our next matchup, which is Seattle at UTRGV. The Red Hawks are 9-8 on the season, 2-3 in whack play, and they recently split their series with New Mexico State. The big news for the Red Hawks was that Riley Grigsby suited up for both contests after missing the series before that, which was against Dixie State. Grigsby averaged 13.5 points and 6.5 rebounds per game against the Aggies, although he only shot 38.1% from the floor, which isn't like him. I'm going to chalk that up to the junior forward missing time, so I do expect him to pick things up this weekend. 
And speaking of missing time, UTRGV is back at it after not playing last weekend's series against Cal Baptist due to the recent passing of Vaqueros head coach Lou Hill. The team has said that it wants to play as many games as possible in memory of Coach Hill, which is good to see. And now they have an interesting matchup on their hands against Seattle. UTRGV is 8-4 on the season, 2-0 in whack play. And one guy the Red Hawks need to keep an eye on is Quinnen Johnson II. The redshirt sophomore is averaging 13 points and a team-high 6.7 rebounds per game, despite only being 6'4". Johnson is a guy I was really high on entering the season. I pretty much had him as an honorable mention for the all-wax second team, and he hasn't disappointed so far. He's a perimeter scorer and an energy guy who isn't afraid to crash the glass. That grit is really on brand for UTRGV basketball, and I think that's why he's thriving on the team. And like I said, Johnson is only a redshirt sophomore, so I think there's big things to come from the Oklahoma City native. Now, the deciding factor in this one is actually going to be the same as Dixie State and Tarleton State's series. That's a coincidence, not a cop-out, I promise you. But this game will be decided by the turnover battle. Seattle only commits a turnover on 15.7% of its possessions, which ranks 22nd in the country. The Red Hawks take excellent care of the basketball, but UTRGV is an elite defensive team. The Vaqueros force a turnover on 25.7% of their opponent's possessions, which ranks 4th in the nation. Their life source is their defense, and it's really going to be a matter of which team breaks, so that's going to be interesting to watch. The fact that UTRGV hasn't played a game since February 6th is going to be a factor for sure, but I still have both teams splitting this series. And now it's time for our series of the week, which is Cal Baptist at Grand Canyon. The Lancers are 10-7 on the season, 4-4 four four in whack play, and they're fresh off a split against Sacramento State on Saturday and Sunday because they're able to find an opponent on short notice after their series against UTRGV got called off. The team was led in that series by Reed Nottage, a 6'6 sophomore who averaged 18.5 points and 4.5 assists per game in the two matchups while shooting 51.7% from the floor and 42.9% from deep. This guy is one of the purest shooters in the WAC, if not the purest. You could put his shooting form in a textbook. It looks a lot like that of Clay Thompson and just like Thompson, you better get a hand up on Nottage because he's always ready to catch and shoot. Meanwhile, Grand Canyon is 12-3 on the season, 6-0 in whack play, although the team hasn't played a game since January 30th, which was that series against New Mexico State due to COVID-19 protocols. If you've been following the Aggies this season, you know how much a lengthy pause can hurt a team's momentum and progress in the season, so we'll see how the Lopes look this weekend. The guy who is expected to lead the way is undoubtedly Abjorn Midgard, a 7-foot senior center who's averaging team highs of 14.8 points and 9.7 rebounds per game while shooting 74.4% from the floor. He really hasn't found an opposing big man in the WAC who can match up with him well yet, but that's going to change this weekend when he goes up against 6'11 Florida transfer Gorjot Gak, and I think that's going to be the deciding factor this weekend. Can Gak keep him off the glass? Can he go to work on offense and suck in that defense, freeing up kickout opportunities for three-pointers such as Nottage? Midgard has been dominant so far, but he hasn't been matched up with a starting big man in the WAC who's taller than 6'8 yet. So we'll see just how legit he is this weekend. It's going to be a great matchup and a great series, which I believe will end in a split. So that is going to do it for our look around this week's WAC matchups. But we still have one more on the docket, which is New Mexico State's home series against Utah Valley. I'm going to preview that in segment number three. And before that happens, I just want to clarify that this segment was recorded directly off of my laptop. I didn't use my microphone that I normally use. You'll see why in a second here. But that's why the audio sounds a little bit different. I apologize for that. But without any further ado... Let's get into it. Alrighty, guys. So that buzzer means it's time for our last segment of the day, which is a preview of New Mexico State's two-game series against Utah Valley. The semi-home games we played at Eastwood High School in El Paso, Texas, this Friday and Saturday with a tip-off time of 7 p.m. Mountain Time for both contests. 
It is going to be a tough matchup for the Aggies. And with a series this big, I had to bring in the big guns. Joining me today to preview the game is Kyle McDonald of Whack Hoops Digest. If you guys haven't heard of them, they cover all things Whack. You can follow them on Twitter at Whack Hoops Digest or check out their site, which is WhackHoopsDigest.com. Pretty simple there. Kyle, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing today? Justin, I'm doing great. It's, uh, I know that, I don't know how it is in New Mexico, but Utah, we're getting snow. It's not as freezing cold as it is in Texas right now, but uh, no, I'm doing good. Doing good. Just trying to follow the college basketball news as, you know, we get into late February and early March right now. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. Like I said, appreciate you for joining. Um, this is your straight shooter debut. And while I'm sure we could have had you on the show to talk about any team in the WAC, I know you specialize in Utah Valley related matters. That's where you graduated from and you still live in Utah, correct? I uh, graduated from Utah Valley in 2017, and we live, me and my wife live about, uh, I want to say, 25 minutes west of, of Orem. So it's, uh, our families are here, so it's kind of a local thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I guess let's jump into it with this game, is, or this series, I should say. It's going to be a good one on both ends here. Um, Aggies entering the season 5-5, five and 2-4 five, and four on WAC play. Utah Valley at 7-8 on the year, 5-2 and two on WAC play. A lot of excitement around Utah Valley this year. It's a pretty good squad from what I've seen, right? Yeah, there's – I mean, there's talent there. They have four guys averaging in double figures right now. Uh, Jamison Overton leads the team in scoring at 17.1 points per game. I mean, three of the top five scorers in the WAC come from Utah Valley. So, uh, the, those four guys – I mean, Overton, Trey Woodbury, Fardo Zamak, and Evan Cole, they can score – the problem is Utah Valley doesn't get consistent scoring from anybody else. Um, and I mean, that, that's what really hurts them is that they need somebody else to take some pressure off these other four. Um, and that, that's kind of what cost them in, a, in their loss against Tarleton state a couple weeks ago. And then this weekend, you know, to Dixie state in that second game, they just didn't get help from anywhere else. And um, I mean, it, Mark Madsen has a good good team. Let's put it that way. They're athletic, they're quick, but they're lacking um, kind of what New Mexico State has in Evan Gilliard. They're lacking a true point guard mm -hmm. um, like an Evan Gilliard, and it's kind of hurt the, the Wolverines right now. Right. Well, I guess let's focus on that core four there. One of the big names, or I guess the biggest one, six foot 11 redshirt sophomore Fardos, Amok, 15.7 points, 15 and a half rebounds per game, the most in the country. And by a pretty considerable margin, I'm thinking, too, I'm guessing a big part of the game there is just him dominating on the glass, getting second chances for his team, right? That's pretty much where he mainly contributes. Absolutely. I mean, he's just a big body. And the thing that is impressive is he keeps the ball high. I mean, a lot of times you see big guys that will try to get it kind of at a lower point, but he goes up and, and rebounds at the highest point. I mean, I, watching the games against Dixie State, he actually was behind Hunter Schofield, or he was being boxed out at times, and he was still able to pull down the rebound because he's so long and gets the ball so high compared to, you know, other defenders that are boxing out with their arms down or things like that. Uh, but he's just aggressive, and he's in the right spots at the right time. I mean, you watch his movement around the basket, and he just knows where the ball is going to come off or he knows where the rebound is going to be. And it, it's just – a high basketball IQ when it comes to rebounding for Fardos Amac. Yeah, definitely. When I look at that matchup, I 
I look at how New Mexico State handled that series against Cal Baptist with Gorjak Ak, similar height, also at six foot eleven. They really had their struggles there. You know, you got Johnny McCants at the five spot, who's six foot seven. William McNair does match up pretty well at six foot ten, but he's had problems kind of matching that physicality with his opponents. I'm guessing that's probably going to be one of the deciding factors, just how much these guys at the five spot can step up against a guy like Fardal Zema. Jamison Overton gets into the uh, the lane pretty easily as well, right? Yeah. So I think that. I was thinking about this today because I knew this question would come up about the physicality. Um, you know, if you see the same physicality out of New Mexico State this weekend that you did on Saturday night against Seattle, New Mexico State's gonna gonna really control the game because as much as Utah, as good as Utah Valley is, and as good as Fardos Zamek is when it comes to rebounding and stuff. Utah Valley isn't the most physical team in the league. Um, I, I hate to say that, and I know that, you know, if they're listening, they may give me grief the next time you see me, but they got manhandled by Dixie State on Saturday. Like, even though Fardaz AMAC had 25 rebounds, Dixie State was more physical. They forced the issue and so forth. And so – I think if Johnny McCants plays like he did Saturday night against Seattle, where he was in the paint, he was rebounding, he was aggressive, he was the alpha dog like Chris Jans wants him to be. And, you know, William McNair, he he's, has that potential as well. If they can be physical with Utah Valley, I, I don't I don't see the Aggies having a problem this weekend. Um, going back to Jamison Overton, the – the biggest thing with him, I think, for New Mexico State, and they'll probably see this on film, he struggles to shoot it from the outside. Right. If they can lay off and maybe make him shoot the ball and maybe pack the paint a little bit, I mean, that's a way to stop him. But on the flip side, he's so quick and so athletic. And, I mean, we talk, you talked about Gerald Dokes a while back in the way he gets up off the floor in his jump shot. Jamison Overton – I think gets a little bit higher than that, to be honest with you. And he's got the height on top of that. The Dokes doesn't. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, You mentioned that Dixie State series, even like in the loss against Tarleton State, which is a pretty undersized team. I guess it shows that, you know, it's really a matter of physicality and not just it doesn't go hand in hand with size. You know, like you look at New Mexico State, Clayton Henry had a game high 10 rebounds in this last win over Seattle. And he's at six foot four. It really is going to be a group effort. It's not just the guys like Johnny McCann's. William McNair, Donnie Tillman, um, Jabari Rice handles himself on the glass as well, too. But um, you mentioned that that three-point shooting that isn't a strength of Overton. One guy who it is a strength of is Trey Woodbury. Really provides some key spacing for you guys, right? Well, I mean, the thing is with here, – here's the kicker. I think it was what – Utah Valley had like three or four three-point attempts in the second half on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they only hit one. But, yeah, Trey Woodbury's – ability to, to spread the floor plus he can finish at the rim I mean he off the dribble he's really good he knows how to pull up on a jumper pull up on a dime and hit those jump shots but the problem is is teams are gonna to it, 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 if you think about it, the reason Tarleton State beat Utah Valley the reason Dixie State beat Utah Valley they packed the paint and said you have to beat us from the outside and nobody Nobody from Utah Valley could knock down shots from the outside when they needed to. Trey Woodbury has that capability. Um, 
but he also likes to go to the rim and people are finding out that he can shoot it. So now they're coming out to guard him, but there's no other help around the perimeter to hit knockdown shots consistently. Right. Um, I think that's going to be a fun matchup between uh, Jabari Rice and Clayton Henry um, going up against Trey Woodbury and Jameis Norton. That That's going to be a fun matchup all weekend to watch. Clayton Henry has a little bit more strength than JJ Overton, but I mean, it, maybe Chris Jans will switch it up where he'll put Jabari Rice on JJ Overton and Clayton Henry on Trey Woodbury just to mix it up a little bit. Um, but that that matchup between those guards should be should be fun to watch this weekend. Yeah, that's one of the big strengths for New Mexico State is that they have two really good wing players defensively, like Jabari Rice and Clayton Henry can switch up. Even Donnie Tillman can move up to that three spot. They have a lot of versatility when it comes to defense. It's just a matter of, honestly, them being engaged. You look at the way they've been playing on Fridays. Their games have been on Saturdays where they played well, but on Fridays they, they lose to Cal Baptist, they lose to Seattle, and in both of those they allow 80-plus points. You know, And I think that really shows that it comes down to effort because Jan's actually said something interesting on Monday in his press conference is that from game one to game two against Seattle, he made no changes to the game plan. None whatsoever. And yet it's an 18 point turnover turnaround in 24 hours with the same players, same situation. That's, it's, it just comes down to effort at the end of the day for New Mexico State. Well, and thinking about it on the Utah Valley side, Friday night, they look like a million bucks. I mean, they beat Tarleton by double digits. They blew out California Baptist by 27. Right. Uh, they beat Dixie State by double figures. The Friday night win at Seattle, you know, I mean, then Saturday comes and it's almost like they're not interested in playing. Mm -hmm. um, one of my, one of the notes I had for this podcast is just that there are off offensive lulls at times, especially on Saturday. And then there's like a mental toughness. Like it's almost like they walk in the gym and they think, Oh, game's over. We just need to show up. You know, we'll play 40 minutes, but you know, we're going to win again because we already won on Friday night. Um, I know that's probably not the mentality, but that's kind of what it seems like. Uh, whereas in New Mexico State, Friday nights are a struggle. Then Saturday nights, it's almost like a completely different team. Um, the question will be this weekend, which team will put it together on both nights? It, that, that'll be – that's an intriguing storyline right there. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know how much you talk to Utah Valley team or just other coaches or players around the WAC, but there's got to be some sort of – I guess excitement around this that, you know, the team that's been the best for these past few years, they're definitely weak right now. There's blood that they're smelling right now. That's got to kind of factor into it as well, that that target is getting even bigger on New Mexico state. Now that they know that there's, there's some vulnerability there. Right. Well, I've gotten a few messages that come out and say, you know, whack Vegas is going to be fun because it seems like it's just so wide open right now. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, New Mexico state's down, but I, I try not to make excuses, but it's hard not to pay attention to the fact that they had to move to Phoenix to practice. Right. They really, I mean, it took them almost two months to get fully um, back on the, I don't want to say back on the floor, but, you know, just kind of in a routine, knowing who they're going to play, knowing the schedule. I mean, then they get to move back home and then they don't have a place to play. So they got to go to El Paso. I mean, there's so much that they've had to deal with. So, and the thing is, they could still win the WAC tournament and go to the NCAA tournament. Right. Uh, it's, you know, yeah, people are, like, excited that maybe somebody else is going to win the regular season this year. 
but there's so much basketball, which is so wild to say there's so much basketball to play between now and March 5th and 6th when the finals regular season series happens mm-hmm. that who knows what could happen. I mean, maybe GCU comes off their pause and stumbles because they're rusty. They haven't played in a while. Mm-hmm. So and RGV hasn't played. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be crazy. I mean, Utah Valley has a chance, but they also have to face a gauntlet by going to New Mexico state this weekend. They have UTRGV at home next weekend, and then they finish up at grand Canyon. So it, yeah, it, it's a wild, wild year. And sure. People are excited that New Mexico state's struggling, but to be honest with you, I would probably say, you know, every team wants to win games, but the way this season is, they're all probably more concerned with those two, three days in March right? in Las Vegas because that's what's really going to matter ultimately in the, in the, at the end of the season. Right. It's the wild, wild whack for sure. Uh, <laughs> but I think this series is definitely going to be a good indicator for both teams of where they're at. Um, just if you had to, to point out something, this, whether it be a matchup or um, a stat line that you're looking for, just what do you think is going to be one of the deciding factors in this, in this series? Free throw shooting. Free throw like, shooting. Uh, that, like, so Utah Valley shot 43% from the free throw line on Friday night against Dixie State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they shot 40% in the first half against Dixie State on Saturday, uh, and they – finished at 67 percent um it's been in Achilles hills Achilles hill Achilles hill excuse me uh-huh. for the wolverines um all season long and that's the that's that's what's difficult is you got fardos amac evan cole you got jj orton and trey weber that all like to get to the rim or they play around the rim so they're gonna get hammered they're gonna get fouled and get to the free throw line if you can't knock them down you're not gonna win games Right. Um, and I know New Mexico State hasn't been the best at the free throw line either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, both teams like to be physical. Both teams like to play in the paint. And so uh, that's going to be a key one. Um, the other thing is Johnny McCants field goal attempts. Do they come outside, you know, around the three-point line? Or are they going to be more inside the paint or around the rim? I mean, because you saw it on Friday night when they played Seattle, all his all his field goal attempts were from three point land. Right. And then and New Mexico State lost, but then Saturday it was a whole different story. And he ended up with, I believe it was 12 points. And most of those came within the paint. So that that's another thing to watch. I think that um, you know, Chris Jan said it, what was it? In one of his press conferences, he said he wants Johnny to be more of the alpha dog. And when Johnny McCants is the alpha dog, I think New Mexico State's one of the best teams in the WAC. Definitely. Yeah, I think finding that balance for Johnny is going to be really big. Um, you know, he really developed that three-point shot last season, but now it's gotten to the point where I think he's leaning on it a bit too much. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Those are two really good uh, deciding factors. Another one, this big one, is the work on the offensive glass. Both teams do it well. Aggies ranked 29th in the country in offensive rebound percentage, but the Wolverines actually ranked 16th in the country in opponents' offensive rebound percentage. So something's got to give there, pretty much. We're going to see how much the Aggies can fight on the glass. But um, you know, Justin, yeah. one other one other matchup I think people are should keep an eye on, 
um, is the two newcomers in the starting lineups for both teams in uh, Donnie Tillman for New Mexico State and Evan Cole from Georgia Tech. Two kind of highly sought-after recruits that came in with a lot of hype. Um, Whichever one of those two plays better this series, I think is going to be on the winning side of things because both are athletic, both finish around the rim, both can shoot it. Um, I just think that that matchup is one to keep an eye on because that could really, really, really have a huge impact this weekend. Yeah, a lot of good matchups. Um, I don't know if you have any predictions. Are you predicting a split, a sweep in one team's favor? If I had to put you on the spot here, what are you thinking for the two games? <laughs> um, well, we know last year what happened uh, when Utah Valley went down to Las Cruces. It came down to Jabari Rice hitting that banked in three pointer mm-hmm. with like pointing. So I planted a neutral site, basically. Um, ugh. The way that all these series have gone, I mean, a split makes sense. I mean, this last weekend, we didn't have any sweeps. Uh, the weekend before, I don't think we had any sweeps either. I mean, it's it's getting to that point where teams are adjusting one night after the other. And um, oof, maybe that trend continues where Utah Valley plays well on Friday and New Mexico State struggles mm-hmm. or it, I'm going to say a split happens um, just so I don't show any bias one way or the other. Yeah. But, and I think uh, that's a fair one too. I mean, it's an even matchup, I believe. I, I do too. I mean, the, the, the biggest um, advantage that Mexico state has is they have a true and tested point guard in Evan Gilliard. Utah Valley doesn't have that. And I think that we'll see the advantage the Aggies have with that at, at that position all weekend long. Um, but the trends are there to, to have a split. So I'm going to go with a split. Utah Valley wins on Friday. Mexico State comes back with a win on Saturday. That's exactly what I have. Uh, Utah Valley game one, 72 to 67. And then New Mexico State game two, 70 to 63. But I think that's all that we have for this preview. Kyle, thank you so much. I've been looking to get you on the show, and I appreciate you for finding time to do this today. No problem, Justin. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. That is going to do it for episode 13 of Straight Shooter. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, share with the rest of Aggie Nation, and consider subscribing or following, depending on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you guys want to stay up to date with all things Aggie Hoops, make sure to follow me on Twitter at JTheSportsDude, and also follow Wack Hoops Digest at Wack Hoops Digest. Subscribe to the Las Cruces Sun News while you're at it, guys. This has been Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jay the Sports Dude. I'll see you guys next Wednesday. I'm out.